QR code, which is located on the front of your worship guide, allows you to connect to all of our online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms all in one place. Guests, please click on the menu item for first-time guests, and welcome and thank you for being here with us today. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you can mail a check to our address. After the service, you can also drop your offering in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. This week, on Monday, we have, um, well, before I get to Monday, today, right after church, we have our Sunday equipping classes, which are starting back up. Um, the, we have the nursery-age children in the nursery, and we have uh, village kids, which meets over in the annex, and uh, the youth, which meets in this building. If you have any questions and you're not sure where to go, please, you can find me after church um, or one of our elders, and we can direct you where to go. So we're excited to get that started today. Um, on Monday, the Pierce Men's Group will meet in the church house, which is right over there at um, 8.15 at night. Uh, Tuesday, August 15th at 5.30, also in the church house, we're having a women's fellowship and Bible study. Thursday, August 17th at 7 a.m., the Shipman Men's Group will meet at Just Love Coffee. And at 5 p.m., the Goodson Men's Group will meet in the church house. Friday, August 18th at 6.30 a.m., the O'Neill Men's Group will meet at the Panera Bridge Street. Um, also, help come and fill welcome boxes for our new neighbors. If you were here last week, you heard the announcement from Lincoln Village Ministries. Um, we're going to be partnering with them by uh, filling up uh, bins with items that are really helpful if you're just moving into a new place. Um, you might have seen a Sign Up Genius link go out this week, and I've seen lots of people already signing up, and I'm so excited about this. There'll be a, a, a box in the, the foyer coming soon that you can bring your items to, but go ahead and sign up online um, on the Sign Up Genius. We'll be collecting these items all the way through Labor Day weekend, and um, all the items will go packed into bins and be given to new families that move in Lincoln Village Ministry Houses. Um, if you have any questions about this, you can talk to me, Tish, or Patience and get more information. So these are your morning announcements. Let's worship the Lord together. Good morning. Y'all wake up out there. Good morning. Now, this song is a bunch of songs smashed together. I'm sure that you know all of them. So stand up and, and let's worship together. Amen. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. There's none like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes you rise. There's no one like you. Stronger 
Amen. Amen. Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 149. I'll read the part that says leader. And of course, you all follow along in the part that says people. It says, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. 
Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Their high praises to God. I heard y'all that time. Amen. another song that I'm sure we all know, amen? It says, bless the Lord. Oh my. Y'all sing this with me, come on. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Your home. 
can be seated. I did want to say before we uh, continue that there will be, in addition to the young folks at SEC, we will be having a sermon discussion after worship today for, for the adults who are interested. So please join us with that. Let's spend a few moments in uh, prayer of praise to our Father. Father God, we do come here uh, into this place, into this holy place, um, to worship you, as we just said. 10,000 reasons are not enough. There's so many reasons for us to praise you, Father, and we thank you for who you are. Because of the blood of Jesus and and his body broken for us, we're able to come into this place and get a glimpse of heaven and to praise you like the angels in heaven do, saying, holy, holy, holy. Uh, God, you are almighty. You were, you are, you are to come. You're unchangeable. Your love and your mercy pour out upon us day by day. There's no place we can go where you are not there, holding us close to you, drawing us into your presence. So, Father, we do praise you. We pray that our our words, that you will inhabit the praises of your people as we come here and sing to you. Be with us today. I, I pray for our pastor, Amos, as he uh, comes to give us his word today that... Uh, You'll give him the strength to decrease and allow you to increase in him and and pour out into us. Pray for Pastor Alex as he continues to recover from COVID. Be with him. Continue to bring healing upon him and strength for his family. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our confession of faith comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question two, I will read the question, and then you all can read the answer. Question, what rule has God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? The word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. This next song is a really simple one. It just says, God created me a clean heart so that I may worship you. Amen. Create in me a clean heart and purify me, purify me. Create in me a clean heart so I may worship thee with me say create in me a clean heart and purify me purify me create in me a clean heart so I may worship thee cast me not away from thy presence please don't take your 
Amen. What a beautiful, true song that all of us should, we should all feel that, right? We should all feel that. If we knew how undeserving we were of the love of God, we plead with him. We plead with him. Don't, don't, don't cast me away. Don't, don't shun me from your presence. Please, don't, don't take your spirit away from me. But I'm, I'm glad that 
the Lord Jesus promises us that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. And we can agree along with the psalmist uh, that as the deer pants for flowing streams, so does my soul long for you. It thirsts for you. And uh, I don't know, I'm a little full from that song because, man, sometimes I feel like I get it. Sometimes I feel like, man, I, I know that I am a wretch undone. And I can't help but just cry out to the Lord, like, don't leave me. Don't forsake me. But then I look at his word and that he promises us that he won't leave us. He won't forsake us. Thanks for lifting that song up for us, Brother Marcus. Appreciate that. Now, um, I'm Amos. Y'all know that by now. Um, I'm uh, one of the staff pastors here at this church, and y'all have sent me out to plant the church. Unfortunately, um, your senior pastor uh, is battling with COVID, and so y'all can be praying for him. I'm sure many of you already knew that, but y'all can continue to pray for him. Uh, that his recovery would be quick and speedy and a full recovery. Um, And be praying for me, too, uh, because um, a lot is going on, and I kind of got this invitation kind of at the last minute. And so y'all can be praying. I I am in the throes of church planting, like... When I wake up in the morning, and my wife has to check me sometimes, as soon as my feet hit the ground, I am a church planter. And so I have to be reminded, be husband, be dad. Uh, As a matter of fact, we have a gathering this afternoon, so as soon as I leave from here, I'm going to shoot right out the door so I'm not being rude or anything. got a gathering this afternoon and we're going to be walking around the community uh, praying for our neighborhood uh, just praying that the Lord would bring salvation uh, to our neighborhood found out an interesting statistic and I promise I'm going to get to the text Uh, and it's not going to it's not going to take very long because I promise you I'll put this sermon together y'all forgive me I'll put this sermon together from old notes and stuff but uh, the Lord is going to use it I, I, I believe that he is but anyway Uh, So I found out an interesting statistic a few days ago um, that Madison County is uh, the fourth most irreligious county in the state of Alabama. Who would have thought that? Who would have, I mean, who would have even thought that at all with all of the churches that we have here? Um, Another interesting statistic um, that I'll I'll try to share. I know we have children in here, so I'll try to share it with with a level of of tact. Um, But also that Huntsville in particular um, is the most religious while also consuming the most adult entertainment at the same time. Um, In Madison... And I'm kind of, so y'all may see in the bulletin that there's a ministry moment uh, kind of after the sermon. That's me, too. Uh, that's that's what I was originally supposed to be here for. So I'm kind of getting into my ministry moment a little bit. But uh, spare me. Uh, I mean, you know, 
give me give me some grace is what I mean. Um, but yeah, uh, another interesting statistic that uh, I've been exposed to since church planting is that uh, 49% of Madison residents claim no religion at all. And I'm, this stuff is blowing my mind because we're here in the Bible Belt. Like everybody does Alabama football on Saturdays because that's getting ready to come up. And a little bit of Auburn, too. People like Auburn also. And so that's one religion, you know, so people could have at least claimed Alabama football as a religion. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but um, on Sunday mornings, uh, apparently people uh, are not calling, uh, you know, they're not going to church and they're not claiming any uh, any religious affiliation at all. So that includes Muslim, uh, a Buddhist. And so, yeah, the, the truth is that we, as the people of God, we still got a lot of work to do. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate that. Um, which is a good segue into our text today, uh, which is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now, uh, I see my brother Lyle here today, and I told Lyle, we attended a men's conference this uh this weekend together, and I told Lyle I was going to be preaching from the Old Testament, uh, but that didn't work out. <laughs> so I wasn't lying to you, brother. Uh, I was I was actually studying the book of Psalms to preach from the Psalms, but again, I'm in full church planter mode right now, and this text is one that is relevant for us. So again, that's Matthew chapter 28. Verses 16 through 20. This is God's word, so please listen carefully. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am, al- I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the early church... Christians were initially known as followers of the way, or simply followers of the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. John 14, verse 6, tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the way to God the Father, and at Calvary, The Lord Jesus bore our sin and shame. And he imputed his righteousness to us, his beloved children. That means that when you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of all your sins and reconciled to God the Father because of Christ's righteousness on your behalf. 
Jesus lived the sinless life that you and I could not. He paid the penalty of death that should have been ours. And he rose from death as the cosmic king with all power and all authority. And so today we will see how our cosmic king uses his power and authority to spread his kingdom throughout history and geography. Allow me to set the scene for you in our five verses here today. A carpenter from Nazareth went on a three-year mission tour throughout Palestine, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and claiming to be the Son of God. This carpenter from Nazareth had followers who went all in, chips all in, on the message he was preaching, and they eventually confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one of God. But leading into our passage, this carpenter from Nazareth was crucified. He was executed as a criminal, and all of the hopes and the dreams and the aspirations of his followers, they died along with him because they went chips all in on a carpenter from Nazareth. I want to make this as plain as I can. And y'all have heard me say this before. And this is no shade to my brothers and sisters in Coleman. But this would be like you putting your faith and your hope in a plumber from Coleman. Like that's the re- or, or Huntsville, but just a nondescript person uh, from, you know, a podunk town. But these disciples went all in on this carpenter from Nazareth. Now he's dead. So all of their hopes, all of their dreams, all of their aspirations went into the grave right along with him. Well, my brothers and sisters, now there is news that the Lord Jesus has risen from the dead because he appeared to two women named Mary and commissioned them to go tell the disciples that he would meet them in Galilee. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 32, Jesus told his disciples that when he was raised from the dead, he would meet them in Galilee. In the opening verses of our passage, we get the fulfillment of Jesus' words. I'm in verse number 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Jesus' ministry began primarily in Galilee. And this brings his ministry full circle. From the center of Jesus' ministry, his disciples would now be commissioned to continue to spread the gospel of the kingdom throughout the world. As the Father sent the Son, the Son was now sending his disciples, his children, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Now, my brothers and my sisters, what joy, but also what angst must have filled the disciples, their hearts, as they arrived in Galilee. In verse number 17, Uh, The disciples see Jesus. And Matthew, he does his best to describe the emotion of the moment. Let's look at verse number 17 together. Matthew says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. 
but some doubted. So when some of the disciples see the Lord Jesus, who has now been risen from the grave, they worship him. And my brothers and sisters, that is the natural response when you are in the presence of the cosmic king. When we come into worship, we are in the presence of the cosmic king. So it's only right to worship him. Uh, Isaiah went into the, the temple and the, 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 the train of uh, the robe of God filled the temple and he was undone because he was in the presence of the cosmic king. But the text also says that some doubted. It's very interesting. The fact that some who were present doubted is it's a little ambiguous. But I want you to understand that that's kind of understandable. I want to make it plain to you how would you react if someone you knew was dead came back to life that doesn't happen a dead person is now talking to them it doesn't happen my brothers and sisters i think that because we've been in the faith some of us for so long we like we're just like oh yeah jesus he rose from the dead no jesus rose from the dead He was dead. He had no pulse. That doesn't happen. So how would you react if someone you knew who was dead came back to life? And also in this text, the word doubt here is not the absence of faith. Rather, it is a sense of insecurity about a particular situation. We all often feel that sort of doubt. It is a feeling that is often associated with fear. In Matthew 14, 31, as Peter walked out on the sea to join Jesus, he saw the wind and he saw the waves and he became afraid. Peter cried out to Jesus and was rescued. And Jesus asked Peter, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He didn't say, oh, you of no faith. He said little faith. Why did you doubt? So the same idea is used by Matthew again here in verse 17 to convey the emotion of the moment of seeing the resurrected Lord. Now, I've experienced this feeling before, and so have some of you. I'll tell you, uh, if you were of age on September the 11th, 2001, you probably experienced this sort of doubt because what was happening was unbelievable. It just didn't make sense. But I've also experienced this in a different way, uh, this, this doubt uh, of a moment that seemed too good to be true. Uh, it happened about 10 years ago. And when the doors swung open, I couldn't believe what was happening to me. My palms got sweaty. My knees knocked a little bit. I thought to myself in the moment, this, this can't be real. This, this can't be true. This can't be happening to me. This is too good to be true. This day was March 8, 
2013, which was the day that I married the love of my life. It was a moment that still doesn't seem true. It still seems too good to be true because, y'all, I married way up. Let me just be real about it. She was out of my league, but the Lord blessed me, so I'm thankful. And so this was the kind of emotion that the disciples felt when they saw the resurrected Lord. It was a moment that was too good to be true because now all of their dreams, all of their hopes, all of their aspirations were real again. All kinds of emotions filled their hearts because their Messiah and their king who was dead was now alive. Now, <laughs> when I was a child, I was a little petty, but the, and maybe I still am a little bit, but the Lord, is, there's grace for that. Uh, but when I was a child, my parents would give me and my sisters chores to do. I can remember on a few occasions when my parents would leave the house, uh, they would give chores for us to do, and they would relay, uh, they would give me a message to relay to my, my sisters. And they would say, tell your sisters to wash the dishes or clean their room when they get up, or, you know, whatever the chore was. And again, I was a little petty as a child, so I would be excited to relay the message that they had to clean up. And I would deliver the message with a with a hearty mama said, when you get up, you got to clean up everything. Right? Now, even though the message for my sisters to clean up came from me, it had all the authority of my parents. It carried the authority of my parents because it came from them. And so when my parents checked to see if the job was done, they expected it to be done as if they had given the message themselves. Now, let's look at verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus declares that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Then he gives his disciples a commission and a promise in light of his authority. Jesus declares himself to be the cosmic king. And just as all kings, Jesus wants to expand his kingdom. Jesus commissions his disciples as ambassadors to make more kingdom disciples. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message 
of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. My brothers and sisters, do you realize how important you are to the kingdom of God? God has ordained us. He could have did it another way. But God has ordained us as his beloved children to share the gospel and to grow his kingdom. There is a great gap between God and man that can only be filled by the Lord Jesus. And if we don't proclaim the gospel, then people won't hear it. Can you sense the urgency and the importance of what the Lord Jesus is commanding for his children? And my brothers and sisters, don't get it twisted. Sharing the gospel is not just for seminary trained and ordained folks. It is a command and an expectation for all Christians to make disciples of the Lord Jesus. And there is a real sense here in the text that you can't be a very good Christian if you're not making disciples. If the world is going to experience the true reconciling power of the gospel, it is going to happen through you. If people are going to meet the cosmic king, it is going to happen through you, my brothers and sisters. If people are going to be saved from their sins and reconciled to God, it is going to happen through you. If people are going to experience true joy and true happiness, it's going to happen through you. We must acknowledge that there is a sense in which some of the aspects of the Great Commission have already been fulfilled. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is a reshaping or a retelling of the Great Commission. And it says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and then to the very ends of the earth. My brothers and sisters, you and I sitting in this room today, we are the ends of the earth. Excuse me. So Jesus' words are truth. The gospel went forth the way that he said it would. But my brothers and sisters, the work of making disciples is not finished. The Lord could be calling some of you in this room right now to go to the mission field long term. He could be calling you to other various disciple-making positions. He could be calling you to go knock on your neighbor's door to find out if they know this Jesus. So in the words of the late Kobe Bean Bryant, the greatest basketball player who ever lived, in my opinion, I'll add that on there, the job's not done yet. The job's not done yet. We can rejoice because we know that the Lord Jesus will save all his children by the power of his spirit. But there is still a need to to make disciples. There's still a need for discipleship. The Lord Jesus gives us a command to make disciples through baptism. Excuse me. And through teaching all that he commanded. Matthew ends our passage with a promise from the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus tells his disciples, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
So we proclaim the truth of the gospel to the nations, and we can make disciples with confidence because the Lord Jesus is with us. I love the, the, the construction of this sentence because it captures, in, in, in verse number 20, it, it, it captures the work of the Holy Spirit, but it also captures the fact that the great I am is with us. Just like the great I am was with Moses, the great I am is with us. So my brothers and sisters, we can be ambassadors for Christ because I am is with us. We can call people to faith and repentance because I am is with us. We know that the gospel will save sinners through the power of the spirit because I am is with us. We know that the gospel will be 100% effective for all those the Lord Jesus has called as his children because I am is with us. We can take confidence in the irresistible grace of God because I am is with us. And we can know that all those whom God saves will endure to the end because I am is with us. So my brothers and sisters, please be in prayer. Seek God for the ways that you can proclaim the gospel to the nations. The command to make disciples didn't expire when the gospel reached the new world here in the United States. We here who were the technical end of the earth And my brothers and sisters, the command won't expire until the Lord Jesus returns. And we're not there yet. So my brothers and sisters, be in prayer about how you can play a part in spreading the truth of the gospel to the nations. Because they're here. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you. for your gospel and I thank you that your your spirit is with us Lord I thank you that you do all things well you you don't make mistakes and so Lord I pray now that you would help us to take your commission seriously that we would go and as we are going we would be mindful that our call is to make disciples. All that you have chosen, Lord, will be yours. And so we take courage in that. And none of those whom are yours will be let go because no one can pluck us out of your hand. We take courage in that. We hope in that. We thank you that that is a true reality. So help us, Lord, by the power of your spirit. It is in Jesus' name that I pray and give thanks. Amen. I don't have my bulletin with me, but I am pretty sure it's time for communion. Okay. Thank you so much, Josh.
Y'all give Josh a hand. So, what a beautiful reminder, my brothers and sisters, that uh, this table is, this is an expression of grace. It is a means of grace that the Lord has given us as his beloved children. I want you to understand something, that this is symbolic of uh, the Lord's death and resurrection. But that's not all that's happening here. There's something very supernatural that happens when we approach the Lord's table. It's that he promises grace in strengthening power through this table. And that sounds m- mysterious. That sounds mystical. It sounds supernatural because it is. And so when we come to the table, something very special is happening here that it's almost impossible to convey with words. But it is why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us to examine ourselves before we participate in the covenant meal. He tells us to examine ourselves And he gives a warning to those who do not have faith in the Lord Jesus to allow the elements to pass them by. He gives a warning because those who participate in this meal are actually who don't have faith in Christ are actually bringing condemnation upon themselves. And so, my brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that if you believe in the Lord Jesus, this is your table. He extends it for you. If you are a a member in good standing of of a gospel preaching church, this is your table. I have no right to withhold this table from you. But if you have not yet put your faith in the Lord Jesus, as the elements are coming, I ask that you would allow them to pass you by. But we will pray. We will continue to ask the Lord that his spirit would renew your heart and would renew your mind and that faith would be granted to you. And uh, I always like that uh, Pastor Alex does this. He always talks to the children during this time, which I think is quite helpful uh, for our covenant children. We look forward to the day, all of our babies in here, that we can eat this meal together with you. So we pray for those who do not have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and for our uh, for our covenant children, that the spirit would continue to work in your hearts so that we can celebrate this meal all together one day, which would be a beautiful thing. Uh, But listen to these words from first Corinthians. Chapter 11. says the Apostle Paul and when he had given thanks excuse me that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup 
after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord, the Lord Jesus' death until he comes. I want to call the um, officers forward who will be assisting us on today. sin atoned nothing but the blood of Jesus what of good that I have done nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the blood that makes 
For these means of grace that you extend your strength. So, Lord, help us to be strengthened by this meal. Lord, we thank you that you have provided this for us as a remembrance of the truth of your death and resurrection. Lord, seal that upon our hearts. Because we are your children, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray.
Stick with me for like five more minutes. But I'm happy to uh, be before you all today to be, you know, reporting about um, our church planting efforts. Uh, because without you all, uh, none of this would be possible. And I mean that in a variety of ways. <clears throat> but one of the ways that I mean that is that y'all know for about seven and a half, almost eight years, y'all are my guinea pigs. And so y'all let me get my reps in, uh, what it meant to uh, pastor people. Y'all y'all are my first pastorate. Uh, and so y'all have uh, allowed me to know what it means to uh, love a people uh, and to care and shepherd for a people. And so um, I appreciate y'all for uh, letting me make mistakes <laughs> and learn from my mistakes. And I'm still learning. I'm still going to be making mistakes. Uh, but at least uh, now I don't have to make all of those uh, juvenile mistakes that I was making uh, <laughs> uh, at the beginning. So, again, thanks for allowing me to experiment on y'all <laughs> in a sense. But, uh, yeah, so about a year ago, y'all sent us out to plant the Hope City Church. And we're planting in South Madison kind of towards the Triana, uh, town of Triana area. So that's back uh, by the Tennessee River, uh, kind of by, uh, there's an arsenal, redstone arsenal gate back there. Um, and so if you have permission to drive um, through the arsenal on Martin Road, you could drive from where my home is all the way to South Huntsville. So for all of you all who have various security clearances of sorts, uh, you could get to where we are from South Huntsville uh, through Martin Road. <clears throat> so we're out kind of by the airport in between Zert Road or Zert Road and uh, Walt Triana uh, Highway, and we're south of Interstate 565, of course, which is where uh, the new Toyota Field is, so that's the Trash Pandas uh, baseball field, and so we're trying to reach that area because there are only 
five churches there, and it's a area of Madison County in which actually three separate municipalities are represented. And so there's, I don't know the exact number, but there are, I'll just say, tens of thousands of people represented in that area where Huntsville, Madison, and the town of Triana are all represented. And that makes the school district, school zones, all kind of crazy. But that's a whole other uh, story. But within that, you know, that range, only five churches are represented. And um, I am fortunate to have a relationship with most of those pastors. And so what I'm about to say are their words, not mine. Uh, And so uh, I'm going to digress a little bit, which is so it'll be clear why I said that. Unfortunately, sometimes ministry is a competitive sport, and it shouldn't be. Um, And so uh, I want to represent what they said well, because I'm, as a church planter, I want to make disciples. I don't want to still steal church members. Uh, And so, again, their words, not mine. Some of those churches are in decline. Uh, So there are only five represented. And the average age of some of those churches are 70 plus. I don't want to cough in this mic. (coughs) 